Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. From the moment we learn to walk, we begin to realize the potential of every step. There it is. There it is. We visualize that moment. We internalize that desire. And we mobilize our bodies to take hold of that potential. I know what you may be thinking. What's so incredible about a step? Without steps, we are stuck, paralyzed, crippled by fear, by complacency, by numbness, by the tyranny of the present. Without steps, our muscles become stagnant and our minds become weak. We were created to move. Every time we signal the muscles in our legs to take action, we reject the inertia of insignificance and take hold of our God-given purpose. We were created to make change. When we take steps, the people in our lives are impacted by the momentum. Our next steps enable others to take theirs. So we move as to make change in their lives as well. But there's a war that rages against every step. It's not a war fought with weapons or with fists. It's not a war for money or power. It's a war for our very souls. A war to keep us paralyzed instead of passionately pursuing our purpose. It's a war that fights to keep us comfortable, stationary, and off of our feet because our next steps are a threat to the ways of this world. One step taken at just the right time can change the world forever, but we have an enemy who wants us out of the battle and obsessed with ourselves. This enemy lies to us, and he tells us that we don't have it in us to make a difference. He wants us to put our feet up, sit back, and relax, and watch him win the war. But we won't quit moving. So many people spend their lives completely immobilized by the American dream. They use their God-given steps to run away from the battle instead of into it. But we were made to sweat, to push, to feel our hearts beating out of our chests as we run towards something greater than ourselves. We were made to pursue past the breaking point, toward a victory and glory more wonderful than any of us can imagine. We live in a state of spiritual and physical darkness. Depression, divorce, division wreak havoc on our communities. We're surrounded by people who have never known the joy of pursuing something greater for themselves. We live in a world motivated by money and personal success rather than the betterment of our fellow man. We were never meant to sit back and watch people destroy themselves. We are here to sacrifice, to give of ourselves, and to lay down our lives like Christ laid down his. For us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we must begin to move our feet and take steps toward becoming more loving, more forgiving, more gracious, more compassionate, more giving, and more merciful. Our muscles will burn. Sometimes we may want to turn back, but we won't stop. Self-sacrifice isn't an idea or an abstract thought. It's a vision for God's church today. So we stretch out our stride and pick up the pace with clear eyes and hearts full of the love of God. What we have is not ours. What we are is not a product of our own will. But we have all been purchased, bought with a price, and assigned infinite value by the infinite one who valued us enough to die. This God is all-loving, completely forgiving, unwavering, unstoppable, uncomparable. This God gives us the power and the heart of a fighter to wage an all-out war against complacency and greed. This is our next step.
Well, welcome. Welcome to church. Welcome to ACF. My name is Josh, and I am one of the pastors here. And if you're a guest of ours this morning, we just want to say welcome. We are so glad, and and truly, we're so honored that you would take some time out of your weekend, out of your Sunday morning, and come and spend it with us here, with our community, with our family. And so thank you guys for joining us today if you're a guest of ours. If you're watching online, we want to say thank you for tuning in and watching online. We have so many people week in and week out watching us online. We have, we have our own little uh, church going on in Prague that they meet every single week. And our, in fact, our team was just in Prague all the last couple of weeks, and they just got back on Wednesday night from that trip to Prague, and you'll hear more about that later, but it was awesome to go support our very own Brent and Liz while they're over there. So hey guys, uh, thank you for hosting our teams. We love you, and I can't wait to hear more about uh, what happened over in Prague. Well, if you're a guest of ours today, or maybe you just haven't been around a lot this summer because it's been an awesome summer in Alaska, we are wrapping up a series today called Who Needs Church? Who Needs Church? Uh, We've been in this series for weeks and weeks. Really, we've been in this series the entire summer. We've been walking through this idea of who needs church. And it's interesting today because today in our culture, in in where we live, church is kind of becoming irrelevant. It's kind of becoming a thing that's like, eh, yeah, if I feel like it, if I don't have anything going on this weekend, I may show up. With our culture, that's kind of how our culture operates. And our culture is, is nothing compared to over in like European countries and stuff like that where really church is kind of a relic. It's really dead. It's not seen as something that's important whatsoever. And yet when we read scripture, what we read and what we understand is that Jesus came and he died for the church. He died for this very thing that we're kind of deeming irrelevant. And so there's a disconnect there. So we've been walking through this whole summer of who needs church. And in reality, what we've been doing is we've been walking through the book of Acts. And if you don't know, the book of Acts is the story of the origins of the church. It's where the church has come from. And in reality, it's not just the origins of the church back then, but it's the story and the history and the heritage of the church today. That literally, we are here today in this room on this very Sunday morning because of what has happened in the book of Acts. And it's pretty amazing when you start to see it that way and you start to understand it that way. And so we've been walking through this whole story, and I'm not going to go and recap all of Acts. That would take an hour to do by itself. But I do want to let you know where we're at today. So we're in Acts 28, and the way the story has gone is there's the, there was this dude named Saul. He was, like, killing people who were going to church. He was killing the Christians, and then he meets Jesus. He gets radically saved, and he starts planting churches everywhere. There's all this ministry happening. In Paul, he's gone on several missionary journeys now. He's gone on several missionary journeys, and, and he's embarked kind of in this last missionary journey of his, this latest one. It's his third missionary journey. And he's like, I am going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to preach the gospel in Jerusalem. I want to go teach the Jews that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of their, of all of their history, of, all of everything they've hoped for, everything that they do, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all their laws and all of their prophets. And as he has it in his heart to do this, as he feels compelled by the Holy Spirit to do this, there's also a warning by the Holy Spirit with this. And the Holy Spirit is warning Paul, and he says, look, you're supposed to go do this, but know this. If you go to Jerusalem, it is not going to go well for you. It's going to cost you your freedom, and it might even cost you your life. And so Paul's friends are begging him not to go. 
but he, he, just, he has it in his heart. And he's like, look, my freedom is not worth more than the gospel. My life is not even worth more than the gospel. I must go to Jerusalem. And so he heads off to Jerusalem. He gets there. Like the day after he gets there, a riot breaks out because Paul is in town. Like I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. You walk into work and a riot breaks out because you're there. Well, it would be interesting, at least. And th- this was happening, Paul. Everywhere he'd go, riots. And so he, he goes to the temple, and a riot breaks out, and they try to kill him, like, right then and there. The Roman guard shows up. They kind of take Paul out of the situation. Um, they discover he's a Roman citizen, and so now they have to treat him and handle him differently. And so they start, it's like, sending him to, to governor to governor, from judge to judge. And they, they kind of listen to Paul's story, and they're like, I don't see what's wrong. What's the big deal? And so go to this governor. So he listens. I don't know what's the big deal. Uh, we're going to give you back to the Jews. Like, you haven't done anything wrong for our laws. And then when they say he's going to give them back to the Jews, Paul's like, no, they're going to kill me. Um, I call on my right as a Roman citizen to stand before Caesar. Every Roman citizen had the right to call an audience with Caesar. And so they're like, cool. Out of our hands, and they send him off to Rome, but the journey from Jerusalem to Rome is a long journey, and during the, depending on what time of year it is, it can be a treacherous journey, and that's what Paul experiences. He experiences crazy storm in these ships, and they have to dock, and, and they go back out to sea, and then, and then there's a shipwreck, and like, like Acts is this crazy book. If you, if you have not read through a book of the Bible, what a great book to start with. And if you haven't been able to keep up with us, or you haven't started yet, I would encourage you, start reading through the book of Acts. It's an amazing story. And the last like quarter of it is all about this journey from Jerusalem to Rome. And so finally, there's like, they get, he gets shipwrecked in the middle of the winter on this island, and the natives come out, and, 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 and like, Paul's like moving some stuff around, and this venomous snake comes out and bites him, and all the, all the locals are like waiting for him to die. They're like, oh, you're cursed. You got bit by the, the viper. Let's watch you die. And they all gather around just to watch him die. And then he doesn't die. They're like, oh, you're not cursed. You're a god. And so they try to worship Paul, and Paul's like, no, 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 and he, start, he, he spends the winter there on his way to Rome to, like, teaching them about who Jesus is, and finally they're able to set sail and head to Rome, and it takes them almost a year to get to Rome from Jerusalem. And so he gets to Rome, and, and technically Paul is still, like, under arrest, um, but because he's a Roman citizen and the Romans don't really see he's done anything wrong, they put him in house arrest. They don't put him in prison, they put him in house arrest. And he's allowed to have visitors. And so, like, the second day he's there, he gets to Rome, and all of a sudden, these Jewish leaders show up, and they're like, we have heard about you. They're like, we have no idea what you're teaching. We have no idea why riots ensue everywhere you go. Please talk to us. Like, what is going on? And so Paul's like, okay, come back tomorrow. Bring your friends. I want to lay it all out for you. So they show up the next day to his house. And Paul lays the gospel out for him, for all of them. And as he lays the gospel out for all of them, towards the end of Acts chapter 28, it says that some believed and some did not. So some of these Jewish leaders believed that Jesus was the fulfillment and some did not. And then Paul kind of turns his guns towards those who did not believe. And he's like, you guys don't get it. And he starts quoting from them in the Old Testament, talking about how they were going to reject the cornerstone, and they were going to reject the Messiah, and they are going to reject the very hope that they hoped in. And at the end of all of this, this is what Paul says to them. He says, therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. They will listen. 
See, this, this hope, this promise, it was for you Jews, but you were not believing in the Messiah. You were rejecting him. And so it's going to go beyond just to the Jews. It's going to go to the Gentiles, and they're going to listen. You see, this whole series that we've been doing, this has been built on this foundational piece in Acts. Every single week we've been talking about this. We've been building this foundation, and it really is the foundation of the church. It's the foundation. It's the commissioning of the church. It's quite literally Jesus' last words to us on earth. And this is what Jesus says to us on earth as he commissions the church as he leaves. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of, this, of the earth. This is our Acts 1-8 mission. And it was the mission of the church then, and it's the mission of the church today, that we as ACF believe that God has burned this in our hearts, that we are on mission to be witnesses empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so as Paul is talking to, as he's talking to these Jewish leaders, he's saying, look, this thing, it's spreading. It's going out far beyond the Jewish walls that it's been kept in for so long. It's going out to the world, and they will listen. They will listen. Well, like I said, here at ACF, we've been in, in this initiative over the last several weeks. And today is really the last day of this. And, it, and we know it's difficult. People, some of you guys are your first time at ACF today, and you're going, Awesome, they're talking about this giving initiative. Glad I came today. No, but we are really glad you are here. So you can hear the heart behind what we're doing. And some of you guys have been along the journey the entire time. And you know that next week is, is what we're calling our commitment week. But before we get into that, I really want to let you guys know, because I know not everyone's been here every single week, but this is what we really truly feel God has put on our hearts for ACF Church, that we're supposed to be more than just ourselves, that we're supposed to be more than just inside these walls, that God has put on our hearts this Acts 1-8 mission, and we believe that every piece of this, that we're called to do something, that we're called to do something about Jerusalem, we're called to do something about Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and what you can see on the screen behind me is, first of all, Jerusalem, as Jesus says, be a witness there, and we're calling this campus Jerusalem. Our Brooks Loop Campus. Now some of you guys are going, why do they keep calling it Brooks Loop Campus? Like why did they name it that? It's because our address is Brooks Loop Road. So really creative, really clever. You know, we really went out on a limb on that one. But so our, our, we feel called to finish off this campus. And what does that mean? We've done some amazing stuff, some amazing remodeling upstairs and downstairs. And we had to do some earthquake repair and all of this stuff. And what we've been blessed with is incredible, but we still feel there's a little bit more we need to do to finish off this campus that we're, we're called, we feel called to put a lobby at the outside going that way on the end of this building. And not just a lobby, but really a living room, a living space where community can happen, where conversations can happen. And we're quite literally, we, we would love that potentially like the community can have like a gathering space together. Eagle River community could have a gathering space that we could open it up for things like that. And then also there's some architectural things that still need to be done to this building to make sure it's around for generations to come. 
that we believe that we are called to, to build something that's going to serve generations, not just ourselves. Because one day I'll be gone. One day Pastor Brian will be gone. One day you guys will be gone. And yet this place, we hope it remains as a place where the gospel goes forth from. We call this place our base camp. Because as any hiker knows, as any hunter knows, you need a base camp to go forth, to go on mission, to go out and do your thing and come back and, and be encouraged, to be filled, and, and, and to kind of rest and then go back out on mission. And so we feel called to finish off this campus as Jerusalem. And then Judea is what we, what we talked about a couple weeks ago is we believe we're called to plant a second campus. And right now, we don't know where, we don't know when, but we believe that we're called to do this. We believe that disciples reproduce disciples, and that we believe that healthy churches should be reproducing healthy churches. And so we feel that God has called us to plant a second campus somewhere. And then Samaria. Samaria is this idea that that has been really in Pastor Brian's mind for, for well over a year. God put a vision in his heart that we understand who we are, and we understand who God has brought us, and we understand that the majority of you guys in this room and who attend ACF Church are military people, which means you guys are here today and gone tomorrow. But we said, what if when the military shows up, like we pour into, I mean, we pour into everybody, but we understand that people show up, they're, they're broken. We talk about reaching the church, the unchurched, and the de-churched. And a lot of people who are de-churched and unchurched show up here. And what if while they were here, they got healthy? What if we were here, they, while they were here, they got discipled? And then when they left, we could even like send them out as missionaries on the government's dime. Like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. We don't, we don't have to fund that. I mean, I guess we're already funding it, but it's happening regardless. And what if we could have these outposts where people could go and, and they understand, they've been part of ACF, they've been, uh, they understand our language, our, our culture here, how we want to be discipling people, and they show up to a community, and, and we said, what if we planted 10 out, outposts by, by 10 military bases? So as people leave here, as they look for a community, an, an option would be for them to join an ACF outpost where they're watching the sermons every week and they're, they're having community every week, having meals together every week. They're reaching their neighborhoods together on mission. Like how cool would that be? And so that's kind of our um, Samaria. And, and then we have our to the ends of the earth. And before I jump into what we hope to do for the ends of the earth, I want to quickly talk to you for a moment about what we are doing currently. Some of you know this, you've been around for a while, and some of you guys, actually many of you guys are already doing this, but I know not everyone in this room. About a year ago, Pastor Brian was approached uh, by Compassion International. If you don't know what they are, they're this incredible agency that sponsors kids. That you pay 38 bucks a month and you can sponsor a kid. And that sponsorship, that 38 bucks, gives them health care, it gets them food, it gets them education. Well, Compassion contacted us and they said, hey, we want you guys to join in, 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 in the mission of Compassion International, to be a part of it. And so we would love to take you guys, take Pastor Brian on an all-expenses-paid uh, outreach to Kenya with other pastors in Alaska to see where your money's going. Because we understand, like, this is, this is money, and, and, and we, want, we want you guys to know where your money's actually going, what it looks like when you sponsor a kid. So Pastor Brian went, and, and he was blown away by compassion and what they're doing overseas and how much money uh, when you give your 38 bucks that 
the majority of that is going to the kid you're sponsoring. And so he came back all fired up from that, and he said, hey guys, what if ACF could like sponsor a region or sponsor a city? Like what if you'd go on like Compassion's website, and you click on a city in the world and it says, sorry, there's no one to sponsor there. ACF's taking care of it. Like, whoa, that would be incredible. And so we start talking with compassion. We're like, okay, what should we do? We want to do this thing. Do you have anything for us? And they said, oh, we have just the place for you. Bobo de Lasso in Burkina Faso. And we're like, yes. Where's that? (laughs) No idea. And they said, look, you guys want to reach the poor. We said, absolutely. And they said, Bobo de Lasso is the poorest city in Burkina Faso, the poorest nation in the world. We said, okay, that's, that's a good place to start. That sounds awesome. And they said, if you guys could take Bobo de Lasso, which we, we shortened to Bobo because that's a lot to say, if you guys could take Bobo and take all the kids and sponsor them there, that would be amazing. And we said, we want to do it. We want to take this challenge. We believe our church is ready for this. And they said, okay, there's 400 kids in Bobo currently that are not being sponsored by Compassion. Compassion." And we said, okay, we're going to sponsor 400 kids. And so if you guys were here a year ago, we started preaching to this. We started talking about compassion. We did this compassion month. And we were just, we were were priming it and getting everybody ready for this compassion Sunday where we were going to sponsor 400 kids. And then what Compassion International did is they, they sent one of their employees up here to Alaska. They flew him up to be here for us, to support us, to answer any questions that people might have. They were really excited that we're doing this, so they just wanted to celebrate with us. And when he showed up, he walks into our office and he says, guys, I have some great news for ACF Church. We're like, what? He says, we were able to find another hundred kids ACF does not going to sponsor 400. You guys get to sponsor 500 kids. And we were like, okay. Wow. This is big. Wow. This is so much bigger than ACF Church. Wow. We can't do this unless God shows up. I mean, we were going, man, the, the math works out where like people are going to have to choose, like families are going to have to sponsor more than one kid. And so we said, okay, like, challenge accepted, right? What else can we do? And so we said, okay, we started praying. We're like, okay, God. And Wednesday night service came, and we had the the packets up there, and you guys, Wednesday night crew came, and they they started grabbing packets left and right. We're like, awesome. There's still a lot left up there. But, man, Wednesday night put a big dent in this thing. So we were getting ready for Sunday. And as we were getting ready for Compassion Sunday... Um, November 30th hit, and all of a sudden there was, a, there was an earthquake. You may remember it. And uh, this place was wrecked. This place, our home base, it was wrecked. It was a disaster. Uh, I mean, we're talking uh, boilers ripped off walls, water flooding into places, sheetrock all over the place, Stuff broken, stuff falling off from the ceiling. It was, it was wrecked. And, and we're on the phone with each other like, what do we do? Do we cancel service on Sunday? It's supposed to be Compassion Sunday. But, man, no one's in the mindset of this right now. What are we going to do? Do we postpone it? 
and we said, okay, let's, let's at least get the place cleaned up. Let's throw something out on Facebook on Saturday. If people show up and we get the place cleaned up, then we can at least consider having church. But right now, we can't even consider it. And we put the thing out on Facebook, and you guys showed up. I mean, well over 100 people came down and helped us clean up this place. And we said, okay, we're having church tomorrow. We're going to do it. We put everything out on Facebook, and we said, man, we have no idea if anyone's going to show up. We have no idea. I mean, everyone's still going through their stuff, going through their homes. It was a disaster. It was devastating. And we said, and if people show up, I mean, we still got like 400 more packets to give away. I mean, the odds of us making our goal are not huge. Our, to be honest, our, our faith was little. But we said, we're going to have church. And that Sunday, it was December 2nd, 2018, we had Compassion Sunday, and we sponsored 500 kids in Bobo de Lasso. And that was a testament to you guys. That was at, first of all, that was a testament to our God, that he is greater than an earthquake. He is greater than the struggles we're in the middle of. And he used you guys and your generosity to sponsor 500 kids. But all of that to say, that's what we have done. We still feel called to do more. To the ends of the earth. And so we, 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 we got in contact with Compassion International. And we realized that there's some amazing local churches in Bobo de Lasso. And not only are there some amazing local churches, but there's some amazing Christian and Missionary Alliance churches. Which was so cool to find out. And the reason that's so cool is because we are a Christian and Missionary Alliance church. And so our own, our own clan is already over there doing work. And we said, we got to partner with these guys. And so we started getting in conversations with them. We're like, what do you need? Compassion, what do you need? Churches, what do, we, what do you need? And then what we started to find out is that actually Compassion International is working hand in hand with these Christian and Missionary Alliance churches. And we're like, whoa, this is so cool. So we started talking to them. We said, what do you guys need? And they said, right now, our number one need, the number one way ACF can help out Bobo de Lasso is to come in and to build us a church here. And so that is what we're about, and that is our goal, and that is what we're going to do, is ACF is going to build a campus over in Bobo de Lasso. We are so excited for that. We're so excited for that. And the reason that's such a big deal, you guys listen up, the reason that's such a big deal is not just like, okay, there's another building over there. No, no, you guys don't get this. Listen to this. So first of all, for the churches, they're like, man, we need property. We need a place where we can meet safely to get out of the weather for the community to gather. We need that here. But then Compassion came to us and said, look, here's the deal. We, we get capped about how many kids we can sponsor. And what caps us is our meeting space. See, Compassion partners with local churches. And so they said, look, we can only take as many kids as we have room for. Because these kids come every week and, and they're getting education, they're getting health care, and they're getting food and stuff. And so they gather them every week to meet. And they're like, we, we, can, we don't have any more room to take any more kids. And we said, okay, if we built a building, what would that look like? And they said, okay, to buy the property and to build a building, you're looking between thirty dollars and $50,000. We're like, okay. And they said, here's the deal. That building, that one building alone can sponsor between two and 300 more children. Like, one building can add that many more kids to being sponsored? We're like, yes. We're like, awesome. ACF is going to be sponsoring 800 kids in Bobo. And that's with one building. 
What, what if we raise enough money to build three or five or ten? The gospel going forth, and they will listen, as Paul says. And we're so excited about this. But before we continue to move forward, I want you to check this video out. This is a video just to say thank you for the work that's been done so far. Hello, my name is John Dudenay Compodre. I'm a manager of partnership at Compassion International, and I oversee the ministry in the western side of Burkina Faso. Compassion International started the ministry in Bobo de Lasso and in the neighboring villages in 2007. Up to now, Compassion works in partnership with 51 churches and around 15,000 registered children coming from the poorest families. Among those 15,000 beneficiaries, around 13,000 are sponsored and around 2,000 are still expecting a sponsor. Through the partnership with the local churches, Compassion International is making a huge impact in the lives of children, their families, and communities. Thanks to this partnership, many children are sponsored, many are registered for school. Compassion also provides for medical care. Some children have traveled abroad for surgeries and cures. Compassion organizes vaccination, handicrafts learning, and some caregivers also receive support for an income-generating activities. I believe that the partnership between Compassion and churches through the support of donors is impactful for the beneficiaries and families. My name is Sano Teofil. I am the senior pastor of the Christian Alliance and Missionary Church of Owisonville South. At the spiritual level, I can say that many people made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Children come from different religious backgrounds such as Muslims, Catholics, and animists. But since their registration, most of them started to participate in church activities, to attend Sunday school, and they are very active in the ministry. Some of the kids can lead the worship service during their various activities. Many children from Catholic families have been converted. They are really impacted as they keep on singing Christian songs at home, and they can memorize Bible verses. I am confident that the children are really impacted at their young age by the gospel through their registration in the program and the influence of the church. I just want to say that the sponsorship through Compassion International has a great impact. It changes lives. It creates hope for the beneficiaries and for their entire families. I believe that when the churches are well equipped and work together, they could build a secondary school for children to continue their studies. I feel very encouraged looking at what the beneficiaries can perform using their skills and potential. I am grateful to the Lord. I would like to thank ACF for their invaluable support. Their support is really welcomed by the beneficiaries, the church, and the caregivers. You are making a great impact in many households, and I'm very thankful. May God bless you abundantly. Thank you so much. God 
Je m'avais vraiment remercié l'église ACF qui a pu vraiment financer. Finally, I would like to thank the ACF Church for the great support of the program through the sponsorship of 500 children. And I believe some of them are the beneficiaries of our project. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. And from all of you who are participating in this, we want to say thank you so much. But we'd love to see more kids available so those of you who aren't participating can. You see, we believe, part of this giving initiative is this, that we believe that we are called to do with, or I'm sorry, we believe that we are called to do what we can do with the resources we've been given to do our part to advance the Acts 1-8 mission. We believe that we're all called to do this, that we all have different things that we can give to this. And as we, as we finish up Acts in, 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 in chapter 28, what we see is Paul doing with what he has. And what he has is freedom. And he's willing to give that up to continue to advance the gospel, to continue to be bold. And, and literally, quite literally, these are the last words of the book of Acts is that it ends with like Paul being in house arrest. And he's just hanging out, and while he's under house arrest for years, for several years, he's house arrest. And while he's hanging out, people just keep showing up to want to hear about the gospel. So they go to Paul's house, and, and what it says is that with all boldness and without hindrance, he presented the gospel to them. That Paul presented the gospel with boldness and without hindrance. And we believe that that is what we're called to do in a bold way, without hindrance, to continue to further the, the gospel, the mission, the Acts 1-8 mission. And we've been in this giving initiative for several weeks now. You've been hearing a lot about this. You've been hanging out. And can I, can I, I want to pull back for just a minute. And I want to be honest with you guys. That for myself, personally, like my wife and I, we've been doing this, we've been talking, and, and really we've, we've been in this stage, we, we said, hey, we're going to do this kind of training month, we're going to be praying, we're going to be fasting, we're going to be doing these things, and so my wife and I have been doing this. And last week, Pastor Brian talked about laying it all out on the table. He talked about to, to, to complete this mission, that, that we're called to lay it all out on the table, and, and what are we laying out on the table? And, and to be honest with you, that that terrifies me to think about that, to lay it all out on the table. Just personally, I'm like, man, that is so scary. And so as we've been doing this training month, my wife and I, we've not really been talking to each other about what God has been putting in our hearts. We said, hey, this first half of this, we're just going to be praying, and then we'll see what God does. And so last Sunday night, we came together and we started talking about what God's putting in our hearts. And so we came down, we, we, we sat together, and we're, we were outside around our fire pit with no fire in it, but just missed it, and so wanted to sit around it. And we sat around it, we did, and I said, okay, what's God been saying to you? And she says, no, no, what's God been saying to you? And I said, I'll tell you after you tell me. And God, God specifically put two things in my heart. God specifically gave me a specific number, and then he put in my heart a way we're supposed to get to that specific number. And so I said, I, I really would love for you to go first, because I just, I have, I'm very specific in some things that I feel like God's calling us to. And she says, well, here's the problem. Uh, God gave me a number, and I'm afraid that your number is going to be higher than my number. <laughs> and then she finished that statement by saying, or lower. 
In other words, if, if your number's higher, then we're just going to have to go, okay, well, we're going to have to do that number. But if my number's higher than yours, and then I say it first, then you're going to go, okay, let's do your number, not the one I had, because the one I had was lower. And I said, well, let's, let's see what God does. And this does not always happen this way for us. This is not because we're pastors or anything like that, but God moved, and she, she said a number, and it was the exact number that I had in my heart that God gave to me. And then the second part of this was, I felt we were supposed to get to this number a very specific way, and to be honest with you, it puts a little bit more weight on my wife than it does on me. And so I, I didn't want to say it. I, I, and so she, she says the number, and then she continues on by saying, and this is how I think we're supposed to get to that number, and it was exactly what God had put in my heart of how we're supposed to do it. I was like, wow, God, you are so good. But the honest truth is, and you, maybe you're experiencing this in your own conversations if you're having them, the honest truth was, before we got to that point, we're, ha- we're having this conversation. We're like, okay, so what are we going to lay on the table? What are we going to lay on the table? And we're like, okay, we'll lay this on the table. We'll lay this on the table. But this and this and this, we are not willing to lay that on the table. And as we're having this conversation, I'm like, what, what are we doing? What, what do we mean we're not willing to lay this stuff on the table? And as we're having this conversation, it dawned on me so strongly that the call to lay it all on the table will quickly show you what your hope is in. Just the call to lay it all out on the table will quickly show you what your hope is in. And as, as we're saying, yeah, we're not going to put this and this and this on the table, why were we not willing to do this? Because we had hope in these things. We had hope in these areas of money in our life. We had hope in these dreams that we had been saving for. And and, and if we lay this on the table, well, God's going to take it away, and then we have no hope. See, what we realize is, man, we are putting our hope in the wrong things. And the call to lay it on the table will quickly show you what your hope is truly in. Man, is your hope in finances? Is your hope in education? Is your hope in your health? Like, what is your hope in? And as we were talking about it, as my wife and I were just really, truly wrestling through this, we realized, man, we really have no control over anything. I think I have control over my finances, but I have yet to figure out how to manipulate the stock market. I can't do it. I mean, I shouldn't say I've tried, but, you know, I've thought about it. I can't do it. I can't be in control of these things. I can't be in control of all of a sudden something happening to me getting in a car wreck, going home, and, and, and now I have no control over what happens with my health in that way, or that sucking my finances away, or I have no control over, you know, an earthquake and shaking my house up, and now i got to spend all this money that I was saving for something else and saving for this and that. Like, I can't control that. We don't have control over our lives. Now, I say that, and in the same breath, I do say that we are definitely called to live with wisdom. Scripture is very clear to be wise with your finances, to be wise in these areas, but wisdom does not trump hope and faith and obedience in God. It doesn't. And sometimes God asks us to do things that don't seem wise up front. And as I was thinking about this, I was quickly reminded about a story in the Bible, the story of Abraham. And how Abraham, at the time his name is Abram, and he's just doing his thing. He's living life, and he's actually doing pretty well for himself. He's not serving God at all. He's just serving the gods of the land. And all of a sudden, God breaks into his life and is like, Abram, I have something for you. I have a place, and I have a promise for you. But for you to have it, you must 
follow me. You must obey me. You must walk through some uncertainty before you receive this inheritance that I have for you, this place and this promise. And Abraham, or Abram at the time says, okay, I'll do it. And he leaves his land. He leaves everything he knows. He leaves his family, and he goes to where God's telling him to go, even though he doesn't know where that's going to be. And, and this story is this amazing story in Genesis, and, and Abram's doing this thing, and God changes his name from Abram to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I have this promise for you, and this promise is that you're going to be great, you're going to be the father of nations, and that, that, that your offspring will be more than the numbers of the stars in the sky, and he's like, awesome, can I just have one kid, though, first? Because he doesn't have any kids, and he's like, how's God going to keep this promise? And he's getting older in age, and he, he tries to like make the promise happen on his own terms, Abraham does, and he tries to force it, and it turns out pretty terribly. And then he says, okay, God, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to have faith in you. And then when he's 100 years old, he has his first child. And he starts to see this promise unfold. Okay, Isaac, I got Isaac, there's a start. Nations, you know, stars. I count a lot of stars. I count more than one. But hey, it's a start. You know, and he has this, this, this promise is going to start to be fulfilled with Isaac. And yet God asked Abraham to do something crazy, unwise. He asked Abraham to lay it all out on the table. To lay it out on the table. He asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac to him. So Abraham says, okay, God. And so he, he takes Isaac and they, they go out to, to offer a sacrifice to God. Now this would have been something they've done probably at this point maybe even hundreds of times. And so they go out to make the sacrifice to God and they're climbing the mountain and Isaac's like, Dad, didn't we forget something? Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, look, God's going to provide. And they get up to the mountain and they start building the altar and they, they, you know, they build the stones, they put wood on it. And Isaac's all the time going, we're missing something here. And then finally the time comes and Abraham says, Isaac, this is what God's called me to do, that you are to be the sacrifice. And so he puts Isaac on the altar, his only child, the fulfillment of the promise from God to him. And he gets ready to sacrifice Isaac to God. And then an angel shows up in the very moment and he stops Abraham. And this is what he says, now I know you fear God because you have not withheld the boy. And he provides a sacrifice. And it goes on that Isaac becomes the very thing that God promised. And, 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 and the promise is fulfilled through Isaac. But this, this, this idea, as I read this, you have not withheld. And I started reflecting back on myself. What have I withheld? What have I withheld from God? When he's calling me to lay it all out on the table... You see, guys, this is, it's, it's just not about finances. This is not about money. And I hope you can see through that and pass it, that, that money is just right now the vehicle that's being used to show us, man, what is our hope in? And Pastor Brian talked about this on Tuesday when we went Facebook Live, just kind of sharing the vision of ACF Church and where we're going. He said, look, if someone came in and said, here's $10 million, here's a check, we would first say, thank you very much. And then we would continue right on with this initiative. We'd continue right on with next week, having Commitment Sunday, because this is about our hearts. And we believe one of the most healthy things we can do as a church is for all of us together go, God, it's all yours already. We're putting it all on the table, just like Abraham did with Isaac, just like Paul did. 
We're putting it all on the table, God, because our hope is in you. It's not in us. It's not in our wealth. It's not in our education. It's not in our career. It's not in any of these things. Our hope is in you. You see, and then we get this amazing commentary into the very story we read. You fast forward in, into the New Testament, and there's this book called Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews has this commentary of what Abraham was going through. I believe completely Holy Spirit-inspired commentary. And in Hebrews eleven seventeen, it says this. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God could even, could even raise the dead. And so, in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. See, just because God asks us to lay something on the table doesn't mean it's just going to go easy for you now. And if I can be honest with you for a moment here, my wife and I, we met last Sunday night, we talked about that, and we feel like we've landed on what God has called us to do, and from that moment on, it's been really rough for us. From that moment on, it's really been hell. In fact, we talked about it on Sunday, and on Monday, we found out that my wife's dad has cancer. We don't know how good it really looks. And so now, all of a sudden, we come together on Sunday and we make this commitment to God on Sunday that we're going to lay it all on the table. And then Monday, we find out my wife's dad has cancer and they live in Washington. So now it's like, man, how, how, how are we going to afford this? Like, you got to get down to Washington. You might have to make several trips. And how are we going to afford flights? And, and man, we might have to help out with some stuff just with the family. And how are we going to afford to do this? And how are we going to afford maybe some child care for our kids if we, if we both have to go or, or take them all? Like, how do we fly our whole family down there? Like, this is super expensive. And God, we just promised that we were going to give this money to you. And now the next day, we're like, What? Not to mention the emotional toll it's taken on our family. And it doesn't just get easy when we commit to lay it on the table. It doesn't just get easy when we commit to follow God in obedience. But I can tell you this, that God is faithful always. He's faithful always. And as it says, it's like Abraham was so confident in God. He had so much hope in God that he says, look, if I go through with this, God's just going to raise him from the dead. Because this is the promise God made, and God keeps his promises. And he promised me a place, and he made me a promise, and he's going to be faithful to that, so my hope is going to be in him. See, what we need to understand, too, is just because we lay something on the table, it doesn't mean God's going to take it. Just because we lay it on the table, it doesn't mean that God's going to take it. But we're called to lay it all on the table. And there will be things that God takes, and you're like, ooh, that hurts. And then there will be things that God doesn't take, and it's like, okay, that gets to continue to be a, a blessing to me. That gets to continue to remain a tool that I have to use for his kingdom. And I'll keep using it until he asks for it. I'll continue to be blessed by it and bless others with it until God asks for it. But it's this open-hand approach that everything that I have is on the table because everything that I have comes from God. And it doesn't matter if things are going great for me or it doesn't matter if things are going super difficult for me. That it's all on the table because the call to lay it all on the table will quickly show you what your hope is truly in. See, what you have hope in is what you're on mission for too. 
What you have hope in is what you're on mission for as well. And we, I, can, I can stand up and tell you here that our hope is in God and we are on mission for God. We're not on mission for all these different things. We can, we can be on mission for so many different things. And typically, if we're really honest with ourselves, those things that we find ourselves so passionately on mission for are the things that we're finding our hope in. And it doesn't mean we can't save money. Like, that's wise. Scripture tells us to do it. It doesn't mean that we can't, you know, enjoy our weekends. You know, we should have good rest and good opportunities to be with our friends and family and enjoy this world. We're called literally to enjoy this world that we live in. So it doesn't mean we don't do those things. But we're not on mission for our finances. We're not on mission for, you know, enjoying our weekends. We are on mission for the gospel. And just as Paul said, no, you know what? Even if it costs me my freedom, even if it costs me my life, I'm going to lay it all on the table. And God's going to do what he's going to do. And the gospel will go forward. And I'm telling you today that we're here today because of that. Because of Paul's mission. We are on mission here. We are on mission here, church. And, and what we need to understand is is we need to be willing to ask the question, where is your hope? What do you hope in? See, sometimes I think that we don't even understand what we hope in. See, we hope in a place and a promise as well. Do you know our hope is not actually in, we don't hope for the resurrection of Jesus. We don't hope for forgiveness of sins. That's already happened. Our hope is based in that. It's, that's the foundation of it. But we don't hope that Jesus rises from the dead. He's already done that. See, as, as, as Christians, as, as followers of Jesus, we need to even understand what our hope is in. It's just like I, I'm married to my wife, Malia, and I don't hope every morning that I get to be married to Malia. No, it's already happened. 16 years ago, it happened. I'm married to her. It's awesome. I don't have to hope for that every day. As Christians, we don't hope for our salvation. No, we have that. What we hope for is the continued promise. See, Jesus, when he left, he says, look, I go to prepare a place for you. That I have a promise for you. Our hope is in a place. Our hope is in a place. It's, it's in a place that Scripture says where all wrongs will be undone. We're all, we're, there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow. Anything that's been broken in this world will be made right that is the place that we hope for. And the promise is that Jesus is coming back to make it happen. That's our hope. Our hope is in a place and our hope is in a promise, just like it was for Abraham. And that Jesus is coming back. But the thing is, we can trust it. We can trust him that he's coming back because he's, he's shown us he keeps promises through the cross. He's shown us he keeps his promises through raising again from the dead. He didn't just go to the cross, he defeated death, and he showed us that he keeps his promises so we can faithfully and we can securely put hope that he's coming back, and we can put our hope in a place, in a promise. And some of you guys really need to hear that today. I need to really hear that today. My family needs to hear that today, that our hope is secure in Christ. So church, my question is this, is where is your hope? I'm asking you guys to lay it all out on the table.
and let God do what God's gonna do and he will be faithful to you. He will be faithful. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are a good God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are a faithful God. Thank you, God, that you are a God who keeps your promises. Thank you, God, that you are a God that has a place for us and you have a promise that you are going to fulfill, that you will return and restore all things new. You've always been a God who keeps your promises. And Jesus, now I pray that we would have the courage because uh, it is scary, it is terrifying, it is difficult, it is not easy. And anyone who says it is, is just lying. God, it is not easy to lay it all on the table. But God, I pray that we would be faithful to do that. And as we do that, as we lay it all on the table, that we would find our hope secure in you and not in our situations that we find ourselves in, which change from day to day. That our hope would not be something that gets thrown back and forth and dependent on our circumstances, that our hope, which motivates us to move in our day, which motivates us to move in our lives, that that hope would be foundationally built in you. God, as we lay it all on the table, that even in that we would find blessing in our life, blessing and freedom from the things that are not worth putting hope in. God, as we move forward in this, I pray that we would be a church and that we would be a people who are on mission for you, on mission for the gospel. And that wherever we are in our lives, our circle of influence, that that is where we'd find ourselves presenting your gospel. We love you, Jesus. And God, we just ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to even be able to do this because we admit we do not have the strength within ourselves. But through your Holy Spirit, we pray that these things would come to pass in our lives. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. Amen.